Like there's never a moment where you're like, I am a hundred percent ready to quit my job and do this full time. It will always be uncomfortable. You will always only be 80% ready. Welcome to the Creative Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. And you can join in that community. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at Mike Bone. And you can check out some of my visual work on my website, which is mikebrennan.me. I would also love to have you be a part of our free online community that's found on Facebook. If you go to dailycreativehabit.com, it will forward you to a request page to join our group of creatives who are raising their hand to say, I wanna show up more consistently for my creativity and my craft. We would love to have you there and I can't wait to see you. Now for this week's episode, I speak with Katie Dooley, who is the founder and creator of a creative agency, Paper Lime Creative. And me and Katie, we talk about graphic design and how she transitioned from being a designer in staff positions at various companies to then striking out on our own. So if you're thinking about maybe starting your own creative business, you're trying to figure out how to monetize your creativity, whether that's for a full-time thing or a side hustle, or you're just wrestling with that feeling of, I want to lean more into my creativity and let it be more the main thing that I do, then this conversation is for you. And if you're there now, I'm sure that you will resonate with a lot of the things that Katie and I talk about in this episode. Um, we just unpack, you know, the myth of there's no time that you will really ever feel ready. There's always something that you can come up with why now is not the time. But sometimes you just have to open the door and jump out of the plane, <laughs> as frightening as that sounds. Um, and by the way, I'm not suggesting that you leave uh, your if you have a nine to five job uh, with, you know, good pay and health benefits and all the rest of the stuff that you just waltz in one day and say, I quit. Uh, have an exit plan, have a strategy, uh, have some things that overlap so that you can make your exit successfully and that you can start building this thing that you really, truly love and want to do. So I hope that you enjoy this creative chat with Katie Dooley. Well, Katie Dooley, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. I'm excited to talk with you today, fellow designer. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you as well. Yeah. So um, why don't you just for the sake of our listeners, give us a little snapshot of who you are, what you do. Sure. So as you said, my name is Katie Dooley. I am a brand strategist and graphic designer in Edmonton, Canada, and I run a little agency called Paper Lime Creative. Awesome. Nice. So I always love to go to dig a little bit and say, like, ask some questions around, like, where did this start for you? Because um, obviously, you know, when you're a kid, nobody's thinking like, I want to be a designer, you know, like, <laughs> that's just not even... No, nobody knows what that is as a kid. Um, you can have an appreciation, obviously, for design. But um, what did that look like for you as far as creativity? Yeah, I, I have this theory that when you're a kid, you actually already know what you want to do. You just might not have the vocabulary for it. So when I was three, I remember wanting to be an artist. 
And I don't do too much fine art. I'm very much, you know, kind of in my design lane, but I remember distinctly by about grade six, so 11 years old, uh, school projects where you had to take information and make it pretty. So whether that was a poster or one of those big display boards or, um, I still have it. I have a trifold brochure um, <laughs> on China, which is grade six social studies here in Canada. Uh, at least, you know, 25 years ago it was. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I still have it. And I like photocopied books and would cut them out and then place them and re-photocopy it. So it was all one sheet. And I just love doing that stuff. And like I kept school projects all the way into high school where I just got to do something creative. I did a time magazine in grade probably 10 or 11 on world war two. And it like was legit. And I just yeah. love that stuff so much. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how, you know, you can be exposed when you're younger and influenced by design and by color and by other art. And you just start to absorb it. And then it yeah. starts to find its way out in your own work. Um, and there's a little bit of a like natural progression, I think, that happens over time. You know, obviously everybody starts in a place where if you're learn if you're trying to learn something, you're you're mimicking, right? You're copying. Yeah. And um, that's normal and that's natural, that's part of it. But then there's this part where you kind of move through that, and then your influences can still be traced, but it's not a, a direct copy of like one for one, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's such a good way to learn, even when, you know, as an adult learning a new skill, I think it's important to be okay with that mimicking. Yeah. And then you get to experiment, which is where things get fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming that your, your journey progressed and you eventually came to the place where you're like, Hey, this is what I want to study for school. Did you go to art school or? Yeah. So I, in, again, I, I don't know what it's like in the U S but we had a course mm -hmm here in high school that covered Photoshop and photography, videography, screen printing, uh, kind of all, all those things that I was already so into. And I took that um, to grade 10, 11, and 12. High school here is only three years instead of four. So I took it all three years. Um, it was called communication technology, the course. It still exists. And I actually still talk to the teachers that taught me. Nice. Um, <laughs> And I won the grade, the award when I graduated for communication technology. And then I went to university for graphic design right after. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I was very lucky knowing what I wanted to do from a young yeah. age and, and being able to pursue it. Yeah. Was there anything surprising to you as far as when you then went and now you're in college, you're studying this, that you were like, oh, this is like you know, something that was unexpected as far as the, the design intensive you know, track. I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much work design school is. And we started with 150 in the first year, and I think only 90 graduated. And I think, I think a lot of people join because it's like, oh, I get a draw. It'll be fun. But the workload is so high because it's project-based. Whereas if you're in a, I guess, a more academic um, route in school, you might write one or two papers, you might write a midterm and a final. And like, yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of studying in between. I'm not saying that, you know, 
other routes are not as much work, but when you have two, three, four projects, you're going to school full-time. A lot of us were working part-time. It is yeah. intense. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because you, you mentioned about the, um, the kind of like narrowing effect of, of students, you know, that was something that I experienced too. Um, and I think it, it, some of it was like competition, you know, and people going like, wow, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought. Um, and some of it I think was also the, uh, this isn't what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, um, and then other life situations. Um, and then, you know, f- my experiences were that even the way that the schooling was set up, it was naturally set so that there was this, we're just taking the best. We're taking those people who can rise to the challenge here. Um, and so all of that led to this very like eye-opening, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> like I feel like one of the last man standing here and, you know, like this is, this is uh, definitely, you earn your degree for sure. You know? Absolutely. And I, th- I think it's a good reflection of the real world. Yeah. I, I'm sure we all have had, but I've had some creative crises in my time since graduating. Yes. Yes. And I remember visiting with one of my university professors and I was like, do I keep going? And she had said that, um, I mean, this was probably three or four years ago. So she's probably been out of school for 15, maybe 20 years. She said only herself and one other person that she graduated with were still in the industry. Wow. Yeah. Um, So I, I realized it's just, I shouldn't say just a game of attrition, but if you can get past those creative crazies, you will be successful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, and there's something that just, I think really does something for you personally, knowing like, you know what, like, yeah, I stuck this out and I've worked hard and, you know, I can, I proved to myself that, you know, design is a lot about solving problems. Right. And I figured out how to solve my own problems (laughs) right now (laughs) to get to this point. Um, And that gives you a little more confidence to then move into the things that you need to work wise and stuff. Um, So question now, like, did you, so you, you, you graduate now, what did, what did it look like for you as far as your first jobs in, in design? (laughs) I, my first jobs in design were terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They were really tough. Um, I was actually fired from my first design job. Well, let go from my first design job. So, um, labor laws here, you have three months of probation within those three months, they can let you go without cause. And then after that, they have to be able to provide a reason for letting you go. So I made it to the three month mark the day after my birthday. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they called me into the office and basically said, don't come back tomorrow. So that was my first design job. Um, (laughs) I, I personally don't think I was set up for success and I was so new to the job world. And so timid, um, I didn't know how to stand up for myself and ask for what I needed. Um, Mm. So faults on both sides, for sure. Um, And then my next, uh, and so I actually took a break from design and I worked uh, at a bank for a little while Mm. and I saved a bunch of money and did a ton of traveling, which was so good. And then I got back into the design world and 
um, it was a very, it was a production design job. And that's when I started to realize that I wanted to do something on my own because I, I learned a ton at the production job, but we weren't servicing the clients the way I felt they deserved to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of designers, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're consultants and advisors as much as we are creatives. So to have a client come in and ask for something and you to just produce it isn't always in the best interest of the client. And that's what we were doing. Um, and that's how, <laughs> so I was there for a few years and then we moved into paper loan creative after that. Nice. Yeah. I can totally resonate with that statement of, you know, people just wanting to rubber stamp things and say, okay, this is what you asked for. This is what you get. And your assessment of needing to be a consultant as well. Um, it's not, you're not simply just the creative part of like, I'm making something nice and pretty and something that communicates well, but you're also engaging of like, what's the right strategy? Like, what's the right conversation to be having around this? Um, and I think that's where a lot of people don't really understand design necessarily. They're looking for the end product a lot of times, yeah. right? They're like, hey, I need a logo. Hey, I need a brochure. Hey, I need whatever this is. And they don't know enough maybe about the process. And that's not anybody's fault necessarily. It's just, you know, somebody needing to, to be educated about that and have an experience. Um, but because of that, a lot of times that's, you even have to start further down the road of like, okay, let's have this conversation to talk about what this looks like and how to properly do this before we even get to what color and what font and what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I often, I often tell people you have to be emotionally ready to tackle your brand, Mm -hmm. your logo design. You have to be in the right, um, have the right mindset to go into it. Um, especially, I mean, especially if you're working with a, you know, a designer design agency, if you just want to go to Fiverr, then we're, you know, you're doing what we're talking about, um, where you just, you know, tell them what you want and say, okay. But if you, it is a process, you have to be really open to what that process is. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's where sometimes people get, if they've been burned by, not having somebody who who thinks that way, then they automatically equate, oh, whenever I need design, it's going to be a headache or it's going to be a problem because that's been my experience because I've just hired basically a pair of hands. Um, And so there's that education piece for sure that needs to happen and kind of recalibration, um, which is hard. And not a lot of people know about that. So I'm glad that we're talking about that right now. It feels a little refreshing. It feels like confession. Yeah, (laughs) And I... I'm, I've written blog posts on it, on how to interview your designer, uh, yeah. you know, what questions you need to ask and what you need to look for in their portfolio and, and how to vet them in a way that you get what you pay for. And then to, on top of that, understand that you're not just paying for the logo, you're paying for the process and the education and the experience that we bring to the table. In addition to the nice logo you'll get at the end. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So when you're, when you started this, this agency, um, was there a natural progression of like, you're working with some other clients and you've kind of got people that you're thinking, Hey, 
you know, I don't necessarily want to say, Hey, I'm going to take them with me, but you know, you have contacts and um, there's a, there's a kind of slow ramp or was it just a, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I think we're just going to put the flag in the ground and say, we're open, <laughs> you know, it was a slow ramp. So I actually went back to my bank job and was working there and evenings and weekends, I would work on paper lime creative and I was networking like a crazy person yeah. <laughs> and to, to find clients and build uh, connections in the local business community. And eventually I was able to go part-time at that big job and, and then like it just, yeah, it ramped up and eventually I quit the bank job until now, now we're, now we are where we are. Yeah. And it was important to me Important's probably the wrong word, but it was a, a strategic choice to be at the bank. So I didn't expel all my creativity during the day and then had to go be creative at night. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people would always be so surprised that I'd be like, well, I work at a bank. And I was like, but I need that creative energy for my business. And it's a different, you use a different part of your brain when yeah. you're <laughs> when you're banking. And, and yeah, so that was a really... Um, I think helpful choice that I made to yeah. to pull away from being employed as a designer, and then also any sort of conflict of interest. That if you've worked as an employed designer, <laughs> you know they make you sign all that away. So yes, yes, yeah. I think that that's important that you shared that too, because too many times people have this this burning desire of like. I want to do this creative thing for a living and I want to do it now. And there's a wrestling, there's a wrestling with, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. And then there's a wrestling with fear of like, is this going to work? What if it doesn't, what am I going to do about all these other practical things? <laughs> you know, like all that stuff comes into play. And a lot of people don't take the leap because of that stuff. But those who maybe are sitting on the edge right now and they're like, I need to move forward and I need validation. I need wisdom so that I can do this. Well, I think it's important that you just shared what you did in, in your process and your story, because it, it very rarely have I heard, I just quit everything and dove in and started and I was on my way. Um, there's a unfolding that happens over time. There's a progression. And I think it's being, sensitive to that unfolding and working hard and you being smart about like protecting your creativity too. Yeah. Right. I would, I'm wondering too, like, are were you in a point ever where you had this like, okay, I'm expending and maybe not in this situation where it's the bank and then you're, you're starting your own uh, agency, but where you're working in a creative job all day long and then going home and going, I feel like I want to do something for me, but I feel like I have nothing left. You ever experienced that? Oh, frequently. <laughs> <laughs> like still. <laughs> My poor husband, there's there's nights. So I just like wander the house and I'm like, I feel like I need to do something, but I have no energy to do anything. So I just kind of mm. wander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when I'm more constructive though, I... I think it's important to to have other hobbies that recharge you. 
um, when you're not just wandering around your house. Uh, (laughs) And I know, and I admire designers that can design all day and then do personal design projects all night. I am not that person. I have other creative hobbies, but I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's important that you have something that's just yours. And for me, a lot of that was, was the stuff you see behind me, you know, all, all the more illustration, fine art stuff. That was the stuff for me that I learned, oh, I need passion projects for myself Uh that clients can't touch that, you know, it's, it's not up for a committee. It's, there's no creative brief, you know, it's like, what do I feel like doing? What do I want to say? How do I want to experiment with this stuff right now? And having that place to play and explore, um, that was really important for me to, to establish that. And then I found a lot of times when I allowed myself that, I could carry that back to the design work even, because I'd get ideas or I'd be in the state where I wasn't so determined and fixated on a problem that I just was playing and things would come and I'd get inspired or I'd see a solution that I would never have otherwise. And then I can carry it back to the other work. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite as compartmentalized as sometimes we like to think, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. And it's, that's such a good practice to have because it's hard to experiment when there's a client. Yes. Right. They have certain expectations. There's timelines and budgets. And to be like, I'm going to try a new medium today on <laughs> this accountant's brochure might not, <laughs> might not be the best use of the time and the budget. Um, and so I, I think it's important that you can, can experiment and try new things that you can figure out what works, what doesn't work, and then bring the what works into your commercial work. Yeah, for sure. And and understanding like that the commercial work is not the place for you to say, I want to express this about myself. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, that's for your personal projects. Uh, however, you do take your sensibility and your style and how you see things to your work. Um, and that's why people are hiring you to to communicate that visually in a way that's, that's effective and engaging, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, what, that. what advice would you have for someone who is right now saying, okay, I want to start my own creative endeavor and monetize it, make a living off of it. Like, what are the things, maybe a couple of things that you could say, here are some things you should be aware of, you should look out for, or make sure that you're thinking about. Oh, big questions. Um, <laughs> number one, and everyone says this, and I think everyone ignores this, is to have a good contract in place. I heard it a million times in school, and I absolutely got burned early on for not having a good contract in place. Uh, that might just be one of those pieces you have to learn the hard way, but... Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, fresh out of school, you don't think, you know, people are going to burn you, but they do. hmm a uh, good contract in place, have some standards for communication. Um, even if that's just something sort of internal, or if you do put some pieces into your contract on how long you take to, how long you personally take it to get back to your clients, how long you'll let a client sit on something before they get back to you. Um, best methods of communication. So if you're a phone person or a texter or an emailer, I tell everyone, if you want me to find it, put it in my email, 
but I also know which clients would rather, you know, get a WhatsApp message from me or that I need to pick up the phone and call. I think that will save a lot of stress in the long run. Mm. Um, I know in the early days, you would, uh, you know, if I had screwed up or if a client didn't like it, you would put off the communication piece and that doesn't help anyone. So at least if you set some standards for yourself, um, I try to have a 24 hour rule. So if there's something in my inbox, I will get back to you in 24 hours, regardless of what it says. And so I have that onus on myself as a business owner. This is a policy that I will get back to you in 24 hours. And then I also have let, you know, early days, let projects go for months and months and months because they never heard from them. Yeah. And I didn't have a clause in my contract that said, if I don't hear from you, the project's finished. Yeah. So <laughs> communication is really important. And I think the last piece of advice I would give is that if you're thinking about making the jump, there is never a good time. <laughs> like there is never a moment where you're like, I am a hundred percent ready to quit my job and do this full time. It will always be uncomfortable you will always only be 80% ready <laughs> and you just need to do it because you will figure out that last 20%. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think when I was, you know, 20 and in university, you always found a way to pay your phone bill. And it's the same, you know, when you're an adult and have rent or a mortgage and you go full-time in your business, you will find a way <laughs> to pay your mortgage. It might not be fun, you might take bottles in, but you will find a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, and I think you point out something really important is that so much of that is done in the doing, right? It's learned in the doing. It's, you think you can get your head wrapped around certain things, but there will be things that are unexpected and there'll be things that will need to change because, you know, theoretically, you have it all figured out, but then practically you're like, Oh, yep. didn't see that coming or, Oh, I need to make sure, like you said, add this clause in the contract or whatever. Um, and that just comes through experience, but it's the cost of, of doing business sometimes where you're like, okay, that didn't go the way I wanted it to, but that was my takeaway. I learned that yeah. lesson and now I won't make that mistake again. And that's sometimes what you need to do, you know? Absolutely. And I, the and speaking sort of to the when to jump, um, you can't fill your calendar unless you have a space in your calendar to fill. And that was what finally got me to quit my job was I, I was working over 40 hours a week and there was no more room for design clients. So how do you go yeah. full time if there's no more room? Well, you got to get rid of something. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's sound advice for sure. Um, and some, you know, people may need to be thinking, okay, protect my creativity, protect my time, figure out the side hustle, you know, and then build and scale uh -huh. and be open to what that looks like and how things develop. Um, I don't know if it's been your experience too, but I found that I need to be like, I need to have goals and I need to have things that I'm working towards for sure, but I also need to be open-handed and assess opportunities and assess potential, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you found that to be the same for you? Yeah, I, 
I'm fortunate I'm in a position now where I can turn down jobs. So you're right. I'm not in a place where I just want busy work. Uh, There was absolutely a time where I took anything and everything. And I think that's a great learning experience as well. Um, And there's also so much opportunity in being, in owning your own business that I I didn't do this to have another job. Right. And so you you talk about opportunity and potential, but some of that times that's just, um, you know, I can drive to the next city and go meet some clients on a Wednesday afternoon. Yep. Or I can, you know, take an opportunity to uh, do some extra education on a Friday morning, or I can go walk my dog and clear my head, Yeah. which is so important for creativity, which when you're working nine to five in an office, you can't, um, <laughs> uh, or take a nap. Also great for creativity. <laughs> yeah. That is really frowned upon at work. Yes. Um, and so that's, yeah, when you talk about opportunity and potential, those are some of the things I think about is those little those little pieces that foster um, better work and better creativity. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the top of our time, but uh, I'd love to ask you another question, a closing question of like, out of all the stuff that you have heard ex- and experienced, is there something that maybe someone told you or a piece of advice you picked up along the way that was like s- something you keep coming back to again and again that maybe you want to share with someone who's listening today? Oh, one, I have two, but I'll, st- I'll, st- I'll start with one. Um, my babysitter told me I was like seven years old and she said, don't try to fit in, figure out where you fit. Hmm. And I think that's a very important piece of advice um, across all all things, but especially yeah. in creativity you, or, or in design, you don't need to be everything to everyone. Find what you're good at, find what you love and, and do it. And the clients will come to you that love what you do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's wise for sure. Cause you'll drive yourself crazy trying to be all things to all people and it won't work. No. And th- where's the fun in that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> cool. Well, before we go, uh, just let us know where, where can people find your work? How can they contact you, follow your journey? Lay some links Absolutely. on us. Uh, website, uh, my portfolio is there, paperlime.ca uh, on Instagram and Facebook at Paperlime Creative. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just Katie Dooley. Awesome. Sweet. So I'll put some of those in the show notes, make it real, real easy for people to follow along and connect with you. So awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. And again, I always love connecting with fellow designers and um, just hearing more about the journeys some of the similarities and some of the differences and uh, talking about that like we are now so that other people can benefit from it as well. So totally great. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.